You guys can be seated. Thank you so much uh, for coming in to worship this morning. Uh, there, is, there is a difference in each of our own souls when we come in to, to worship. Compared to just coming in to sing. So thank you so much uh, for coming in this morning really prepared to worship. Um, there, there are many times in life where something like that happens, even just on a Sunday morning where you, you came in and everything kind of seemed quite normal um, and, and your day just seemed to kind of start the, the way every Sunday morning does, which is um, an arm wrestle for us to stay in bed and for God to raise us out of bed, only to come to church to have a few moments where your heart's able just to freely declare the goodness of God and just how amazing Jesus is. Um, I, I had a few kind of also um, normal became better than normal moments this week myself. Um, several of them happened all with uh, Troy, who's sitting up here on the front row. Um, Troy uh, contacted me, and he had a uh, just a little thing on his finger uh, cut open this week, and they told him he was going to have to put him to sleep. And when you put a guy that height to sleep, that's a lot of sleep. In fact, I, I asked when we were in there, I said, so how awake exactly will he be when we, we get done with all this? And they kind of looked at me like, well, why would you ask that? I said, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm game on. Um, and I can, I, I can catch him. But if I got to do something with him once I catch him, I, I don't know. Like I don't, and you people are talking about clocking out. So I don't really know what the situation is going to be out in the parking lot. So um, we went in and uh, as Troy was checking in, I, I heard him. He gave my name to the lady as she was asking, you know, who's here with you, going to drive you and all this stuff. And he gave her my name. And um, so we sat there, talked for a minute. And they called him back. And he, went and he went back and got all ready and stuff. And it wasn't that long. And a lady came and out of the, the waiting area. And she was, you know, she'd been calling names of patients that were back there. And she, she came this time, though, and she didn't say Troy Dolly High. She said, um, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Bailey? Thank you. Man, I mean, honestly, I score, Troy, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, oh, I hope nothing's wrong. I mean, you know, this is, this is too early to have my name called. And uh, so I, I, she said, well, you can come on back with me. So I, I had some stuff there. I was going to work a little bit while we were waiting. So I got all my stuff together. And she said, uh, well, you know, sir, you can, um, you know, y'all can, uh, you, you can come back and, and sit or y'all just, if y'all just, I mean, if y'all just want to be together. And I didn't really pick up on it at first. <laughs> and I passed a reflection of myself in one of the windows. And I had my computer bag, which looks, looks an awful lot like a purse if you don't know the contents of it. That's a man purse. And I walked by the window, and I, was like, and I looked down my hand. I was like, I got this white silicone wedding band on. And she thinks I'm with this dude. Like, what is going on here? So I walk in, and I just, and I, and I, I'll be honest with you, I, just, I sat down, and I put my bag in my lap, and I just, I'm shaking my own head at my own self, because she's gone, the moment's gone, no explanation at this point can be given, and I'm just the dude who I know in about 20 minutes is going to walk out of a room with this guy's bag of clothes, and <laughs> at this point, I really started questioning, why, why is his wife not here? Like, what is Tara doing? Why is her heart so hard towards this guy? Why is she working right now? So anyway, so we're in there, and the guy came in, and um, so he was getting his hand operated on, so they came in and said, oh, we need, to, we need to do an IV in that hand to get a nerve block, and 
the guy, the guy sat down beside Troy, and he's getting everything ready. I can't tell you the whole story. There's probably HIPAA laws, so I can't, but it was hilarious. This was just the beginning of it. The guy's, like, getting everything ready, and he takes the cap off something. You know, and guys, at least guys, we can all understand, when you, you take the cap off something, you ball up a piece of paper, automatically you don't think. It's just instinct. Your arm goes up in a jump shot mode, right? Just you see a trash can, and you're going to shoot. So this guy does. He has the case and misses. You know why he misses? Because he does this. Trash can's over there. This guy's getting ready to stick a needle in this man. And I'm going, you, like, you're all four feet, you're all that wide? This is not good for the scenario. At this point, everything that happened after that moment ended with me trying my best not to laugh. So ultimately, just quite honestly, whatever that nose-blowing sound is that you make when you can't, you can't hold anymore, I made that sound, just self-aware. And it was just, it was the, one, it was the funniest it was the funniest set of a few hours that I've had in at least three, four years. I don't know. Had that, had that situation on Friday. I actually had a conversation with, I was on the phone. I called Stephen, um, and we were on the speakerphone, just all three of us with each other with him and his wife Diana. And uh, Diana said something. Well, we were just talking and, and kind of had one of those other normal moments that turned into something better. And, um, and, and she was talking about just what God was doing in her heart and her life. And, and she said this. She said, I, you know, I'm, I'm at a place where I don't just... I don't want to know what Jesus is. I want to know who he is. And it really made sense. And they were really words that I needed to kind of borrow into my own heart because um, where my heart was already going, where I knew God was already leading us, um, we have, if you've been here, if you had not been here, uh, we just came out of a series called Cloudy with a Chance. Um, we, we talked about um, God's word as it speaks into and how we can speak into um, seasons of darkness, depression, sadness, that kind of thing with people, um, share some stuff with you from my life and I had a lot of others um, share with me, um, and and I we I am working on putting a set of resources together because those three weeks really are just kind of a beginning of a conversation. So we're we're packaging some resources and we're going to try to make those available online and in print um, because uh, there there's a lot more after where we where we stepped off of that road last week. So so that that'll be coming. But um, those words really spoke to my heart because we're gonna we're gonna start. I, quite honestly, I don't know when we're exactly we're going to finish it. Um, we'll, we'll probably step out of it for different weeks where God leads um, in, in other areas or um, we're, we're focusing on where God has us in the season calendar of our year, something like that. But we're going to start in and go through uh, the book of John. Uh, many times uh, you hear people say um, to new Christians, new believers, when they say, hey, where should I read? They say, hey, look, great place to start. Read the book of John. Well, reading the book of John gets you into the text. But as believers, we need to study. We need to know the book of John because of the truth that's inside of it. So we're going to spend some time in there. And, and those words really framed into my heart. I thought, man, that finally makes sense because I was multiple times during the week with all the craziness of life going on, a few times I just tried to stop to figure out, God, how can, you, how can I say it in one sentence? How can I say it? And that's what really echoed inside of me. Not just knowing what Jesus is, that he's a friend, he's not going to leave me, he's a resource, but knowing who he is to really know who I believe. When you, when you go to John chapter 20, towards the end of the book, um, it, it says that in this book, these things are written that you may believe, and that believing you live the life through the power of Jesus. It also says this, that there was a lot of things that weren't written down, but there were some things that God inspired in this book 
that we're really going to study. We won't hit every single verse. There's going to be some things that, I, that I'm going to put out during the week. This week, there's going to be something that will come out online, and it's um, going to go through chapter 1. There's a bunch of different identities Jesus has given in, in chapter 1, so we're just going to have a list put out of those, and I have some blanks. You can, you can fill it in, um, and we'll probably try to you know, package some of these note things at some point just to help out um, myself and everybody kind of put all this stuff together. But we're going to dive in uh, to chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1 this week. The first 18 verses of chapter 1 in a lot of Bibles are um, subheaded prologue, uh, introduction. That's, that's practically an insult. Um, the first 18 verses of the book of John take Jesus um, as an explanation. It takes Jesus to a level that it, it is rarely gone to anywhere else in the New Testament. It connects all the way back to the very first verse that we have in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. It grabs some content from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Um, it talks about just the reality and the magnitude of who Jesus is. And then it talks about the stuff that all, all of a sudden this almost unrelatable Jesus all of a sudden in just 18 verses becomes completely relatable. So while we're in these 18 verses today, um, I hope you get some, um, some really big things that, that are in here, um, as the graphic that's on the screen acknowledges that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, they're called synoptic Gospels. Uh, synoptic means seen together. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a very similar flow to them. They go more chronologically. If you read the Gospel of John thinking it's going to be an order of events, a punch by punch, blow by blow list of everything that happened with Jesus, it's going to frustrate you. Because it, it just simply doesn't. Um, it, it wasn't inspired by God. It wasn't written for the purpose to show us um, a news broadcast in order of events. It was written with the purpose of showing us Jesus. So what's recorded, when it's recorded, in the order it's recorded, is strategic, inspired by the heart of God, to show us a very unique image of who Jesus is. And after all, if we're following Jesus, if our identity is in Him as saved people, Seeing him means we see ourselves. And, and, and this is going to be a really, I believe, really helpful journey for us all. So, John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Sounds a little bit almost poetic. Sounds a little bit artistic. It flows well. But in these first couple verses... We get a real wide, big view of some really key things about Jesus. And there's five of them I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention to you right now. And, and as best you can, try to catch these five. Um, the first one is this. It, it refers to the, and, and says to us that Jesus is the Word. The Word, and we would go back in original language, we would say it says logos. Now saying that Jesus is the Word... Um, does something for us when we consider the audience of the Gospel of John. There, there would be basically two big groups of people. One big group are, are Jewish. They have a rich religious history. They've grown up in worship. They, they, they've memorized books and books of the Bible. They know events. And when they heard Logos, they heard, man, the Word of God, the creative Word of God. Like in Genesis 1 when it says that God said... When he spoke, it says, look, that's Jesus. That was his function in creation. They heard the message of freedom. 
when, when God gave words to Moses to take to Pharaoh, they heard, you're calling us into freedom, into relationship with you. When they heard Logos, they heard meaning, they heard purpose, they heard message, they heard the promises of God. And, and hopefully, as John's heart probably was really passionate, he wanted them to hear that this is God's promises fulfilled. See, when the other audience, the other side of the crowd, the Greeks heard this, the first century Greeks, they heard Logos and they heard um, unifying theory. The explanation that connects all the dots, reason, logic, why we're here, what we're here for. And the crazy thing is, the way God inspired this just simple statement on John's heart, he drew in both crowds. This is an all-skate. This is an all-come-to-the-table even just at this one point in the book of John, that Jesus is the Word. He is the unifying theory. He is the purpose. He is the truth. He is the message of freedom. He is all that. But He is, as it says, in the beginning, He is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Why is it so important? Why is it so heavy on, heart, on John's heart that we know that Jesus is eternal? Simply that we need to know that we serve a Jesus that is bigger than anything that we deal with. My problems, even no matter how big they may seem to me, are only within the span of my lifetime. And, and maybe even only in the span of a few weeks. But Jesus is bigger than a span of a few weeks, a few months. It's important as we believe in Him, as you believe in Jesus, that you see Him as eternal. The, the wisdom He brings to the table isn't just advice on my life. It's the wisdom that has sustained humanity. It's good information. It's good direction. Jesus was, as it says, with God. That word with is really better translated toward. Here's why it's so important. Um, it, it says that Jesus wasn't just there with God. Many times when we describe the gospel, um, sometimes we as adults, this is what we tell kids, that God the Father sent God the Son to go die for your sins. And if I'm a kid and kids interpret stuff literally, this is kind of how I would relate to that. Yep, my dad's at home, and sometimes my dad tells me to go do something and maybe my dad tells me to go do that because he doesn't really want to do it himself. It says that Jesus was with God. It was towards. There was a relational exchange between Jesus and God. He's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They all have their own function, but they're all one because it says he's not just with God. This also says, number four, that Jesus was God. You know why that's so amazing? In that example that we may tell our kids they may wrongly hear that God sent Jesus to do something that was nasty and gross, and he just didn't want to do it. The fact that Jesus is God says that God just didn't send someone to take care of my sin. God did it himself. For Jesus to do it, it was God doing it. So when we think God is so disgusted by us, as John's own theology says, consider this that he was the one that showed up for you. He was the one that spoke up on your behalf. He acted on your behalf. The final thing is this, that Jesus was involved in creation. Now, why is it so important to know that Jesus was involved in creation? Because um, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, John's inspired to make some connections that are really, really important. We'll talk about a couple of them today. But in creation, this is the earliest record of anything that we can know that happened. And I don't know about you, but sometimes if, when I look at my life and I kind of go through my days and I go through my weeks, my months, my years, sometimes it seems like I've been 
really concerned about what God says and really try to be in tune with what's going on and what he may want for my life. But then there's other times to where, if we're really honest, maybe you found yourself like I have. I seem to be living day and day and day and day, and maybe I don't really even pray to him. Maybe I'm not really reading his word. I'm not, I'm not interacting with him, but, but life kind of seems to go on. And sometimes we start to question, well, then how important is this really? John is inspired to point out to us that God, while we have, God has never stopped. He's never been on break. He's never taken any time off from us. We may not be immediately aware. We may not be concentrated on it. But God is constantly working. His whole story from Genesis 1 through this and on is Jesus. It is him. And he wants, to make, he wants us to make sure that we can see it at every single turn. Now, out of these two verses, it says this, verse 3, All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There's a theme in here that carries out through the rest of the New Testament. Because see, out of love, creation happens. It's when a husband and wife start talking about starting a family, having a baby. People don't have babies because they hate each other. They're consumed with just the love they have with each other. And this idea that out of that love, life could happen. And that's where life came from, out of God's heart with Jesus. Their great love for the future thought of us, the knowledge of everything about us, birth happened, creation happened. In this passage, it says something really important. It says that by him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Nothing was created. So the theme, one of the themes for the rest of the New Testament is this. With Jesus, everything. Without Jesus, nothing. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says, anything that happens in my life, through Jesus, with Jesus, yeah, everything. But he also agrees that once he steps out of God's will, away from Christ, nothing. Life is not going the way that it should go. There's a sense of loss, a sense of disconnect. And this theme will carry out through John, it will carry out through the New Testament. It'll, it'll, it'll really, truly, if you've, if you've committed your heart to Christ like I have, it'll carry out all through life. With Christ, everything. That doesn't mean it's always perfect. But it means that there is a peace within our hearts that it's always purposed. With Christ, everything. Without Christ, nothing. Now, there's a few things just in these few verses. It talks about Jesus as the origin of life. It talks about Jesus as the light of life or the illumination of life. So when we talk about origin, we talk about light, we, we come up against some, some conversations that often get had in our culture and our society. And I want to address a few things just to kind of frame where John is going, but really how it pertains maybe to the, the conversations that we have, the life that we live. Um, the, the first is this. Oftentimes when you talk about creation, it, it becomes a, a proof discussion, uh, a science argument, that kind of thing. And ultimately, science has a goal of finding one single theory that will explain all of the universe. As believers, we believe that the one single thing that explains the entire universe is Jesus. Jesus isn't a cop-out because we can't explain all of science. Many people that handle science, 
mishandle it because they, they hope that in some way enough scientific discovery will disprove the existence of God. And I'm here to tell you that's an endless argument. That's a useless chase. You know why? Every week, um, for example, if you go out in the parking lot, there's all kinds of vehicles that are here every week. And there's a few people here that drive uh, Ford F-150s. Now, I can go outside and sit in one of those trucks. I can sit inside a Ford F-150. But sitting inside that and discovering what that feels like does not prove Henry Ford's existence. It just simply shows that Henry Ford had a life's work, and I'm seeing evidence of it. That's what the end of science will always be. It'll be the evidence of a perfect and holy, creative God. It'll give evidence of Him. It'll, it'll, it'll show His likeness. It'll show evidence of Him. But it won't ever prove Him or disprove Him. I hate to bust a bubble. You know why? Because it's supposed to be the evidence that makes us aware of Him and then... To know Him, we go to Him. We don't go anywhere else. It was meant to point. That's simply what it is. And because God created it, God and nature are not one. They're distinct. They're separate. I love looking at beautiful sunsets. I like being outside and seeing that that thing that you just want to capture in some perfect way for it to be a picture that you always have. And I've heard people say that when they're out in nature, they say, you know, I, I feel like I'm experiencing God. But you know, that's actually wrong. The only way we experience God is inside of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, I love spending the time. I love the time outside. And I want to encourage you to do it. Appreciate the creation that God has made. But as believers, I believe John would say, be careful to not pursue this great and amazing Jesus in other things that he made. Those are just evidences. Those are products. Those are things to appreciate and love, but not things to ultimately find God in and know God through. It says, out of nothing, creation shows the dependence on God's word. In other words, if God didn't say, let there, it, it didn't happen. And you know what that, you know what that was? Just in, in, in the mode of creation, that whispered at the very beginning, hey, your lives are always going to depend on God's word. Their existence, their sustenance. How do you handle your problems? If we really want truth and wisdom about them, we go and we discover what God's Word says. Whatever has happened in our life is waiting on the truth of God's Word to be spoken. It's, it's, it's a dependence that even creation shows us. Jesus is said to be the light of man. And He is. The life that Jesus lived shows us God, what he does, what he says, everything shines light. It shows us what's wrong in our life. It shows us what we should do. It shows us what we shouldn't do. And it's not just showing us those things. It says specifically here, Jesus, am I, am I not so Jesus um, is God revealing himself to people and, and that his light shines into darkness, but darkness doesn't overcome it. You, you realize from, from the moment we see let there be light in creation. It talks about darkness first. It says that darkness was, was just basically hovering over the depths of the water, the, the existence that was there. But it says this, that, that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was, was hovering above that. It's, it's God in control of this darkness. He was keeping it at bay. But then all of a sudden, God says, let there be light. And from that moment in creation, darkness never wins. 
Darkness isn't what plants need to grow and survive. It's not what we need to get some of the vitamins that we get. We, we get that from light. God's creation, again, doesn't let us know him, but it shows evidence of him. Everything about the way this world works points to this truth that the light and the ultimate light being Jesus is what's needed. Even in the Bible, it talks about the, the greater light, which is our sun. And then it says that the, in, at night, in, in darkness, there was, a, there was a lesser light put there. And we say that's the moon, but it doesn't take long in science class to realize that the moon is not a light, right? But you know what the moon does? It reflects the sun. Only between about 3 and 12% of the sun's light is reflected. It doesn't even shine 50% of the light. And when you go out during a full moon, you can see a whole lot of things. But even when that moon is not visible, how has God wired into us the magnitude of Jesus? Even when it is not seen, even when darkness does seem to win, dawn comes and the light floods it. God was doing something from the beginning to show us what he would ultimately do in our lives. And John is just pointing at this as hard as he can go. It jumps out of this talk of this magnitude of Jesus, and it shifts a weird gear. It goes from all of this about Jesus into a guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a little bit like, he's out there. He's, he's, an, he's extreme. Um, he ate some things that, unless you're on a survivalist TV show, you're not going to eat. Um, he wore really uncomfortable, totally not fashionable things. I was told not long ago by one of our college students, the correct word right now is fit. You're fit. I thought they were telling me I was fit. I took it as a compliment. I didn't know it was about what I was wearing. Then I realized she was probably making fun of what I was wearing, so I stopped talking to her. So, it says this in verse, um, in verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. His name, he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Isn't, isn't it odd? It, it shifts this gear because it's like, well, hang on a second. I thought this was all about Jesus. Well, please understand that in, in your life and in my life, that is where God is pointing us. But the story of God has never disconnected Jesus and us. His story is all about putting those two things together. And for this one person, we specifically hear there's this thing that we're supposed to be on called the mission of God. John had an incredible speaking career where he basically said two things. Stop looking at me, start looking at Jesus. From the beginning, he didn't... He didn't have Jesus publicly to point to people. So he just said, basically, stop looking at me. Look for the one God's sending. He's on his way. And then when Jesus showed up, he said, okay, stop looking at me. Look specifically at him. And that really is, in the, in the comparison of Jesus, that is what the statement of our life should be. It's so simple. It says, this is all who Jesus is. And this great guy, John, who Jesus even said, there's none greater in all of creation. The Bible summarizes his life as, he did a really effective job at pointing people to Jesus. You know one of the tough things about being a human and being a believer is? Is coming to the terms with this idea that the greatest thing that could be said about me is that I pointed somebody else to Jesus. Because many days we want greater things said about us. Setting aside those greater things doesn't mean that I'm not worthy 
It just simply means that's how convicted I am that God is that good. It's tough. It's, it's not, it's not it, it will not, I promise you, being a faithful Jesus follower will not serve your, your self-desires well. Because me, my personality, if I served it, I would look a, like a lot of things. A Christian, I don't even think it would probably be on the list. But serving him shows people God's glory. Continue on, it says, he was in the world. This is back on Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of the natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. This is odd. I mean, John is saying some, I mean, in, in 18 verses, he says theologically so much, but he changes gears to the point you can almost hear them grinding. He says that this is Jesus. This is what we get to do. But then to sum up, when Jesus actually showed up here on earth, they didn't even recognize him. And when he proclaimed who he was, they didn't receive him. You ever watch the show Undercover Boss? You ever watch that? Uh, it's where they take a boss of a company, an owner, a major industry leader, a CEO or something, and they put the trashiest, worst wig on them possible, um, the fakest facial hair under existence of human creation, and they put them in like what would probably be, we would be like the, the lower levels of the organization doing kind of the regular menial work. And we watch that show and go, you, like, you've got to be kidding. This person's face has got to be plastered on everything, every brochure, every, every sign, every everything. Like, how do you not get who this person is? But the great part of the show is, as the show plays out, there's these moments where they go, oh my gosh, this is actually who you were when you were scrubbing toilets with me or you were dropping fries in the deep fryer with me? Yeah, this is who I was and here's what we're going to do. It's going to be better. And we watch that show and go, okay, well, it's kind of a feel-good thing, but come on, like, how did you really not get it? And really one of the failures, not just in the Bible, but in our own lives, is that we don't often accurately recognize Jesus. And if we don't recognize him, it's an impossibility to, to receive him. Jesus gives his own introduction. That makes it able for people to receive him. But they didn't recognize him on his own. You know, and, and, and it, was, it was what they were thinking. They were looking for a political leader. They wanted to take over. They wanted, they, wanted, they wanted dominance in their economy. They wanted a good, good life. And they wanted somebody to come in and kick butt, take names, and just put people in their place. You know what really it was? You know what really it came down to? The wrong set of expectations. They were never going to recognize Jesus because who they expected him to be was who he was never going to be. And that's a pitfall that we, we fall into in our lives. When we as Christians expect something from Jesus, expect something from God that he's not meant to deliver, it'll only lead through a very frustrating season of your life and my life. When we put the wrong expectations on God, even in, even in good, sincere hope, when we put the wrong expectations on him, it'll actually end up leading to frustration in our own lives. The people that Jesus lived with were frustrated, frustrated enough to get angry, angry enough to put him to death. 
But see, they didn't accept him as a group. Jesus isn't really into group exception. And you know that's lived out even in churches? Oftentimes when a church has to really pull together over an issue is often when we find out that it divides. But when individual hearts seek Jesus, it's amazing what we can come together over. And that's what John says. He said that's how it ended up happening. He said, because when an individual heart received Jesus, he says, Jesus gave them a right. Do you ever have anybody just like tell you they want something or just go get it because they just feel like they, they should? So I don't know what the name of them are, but, but Wendy found these things at the grocery store, and it's um, Oreo makes them, and it's some level of heaven. Um, it's a chocolate chip, mint, fudge-covered, Amen. Get some testifying going on. Are we talking about Jesus? Nothing. Oreos. Amen. Right? Come on. Come on, y'all. We got to get this thing flipped around. All right. So, Wendy, Wendy gets these things, and and I, my youngest son Carter, I love him. Love him. He's a great kid, but he just goes in the pantry and picks the package up. I'm like, bro, I'm sorry. Uh, you have misunderstood who you are. There's only like 12 of them in the pack, right? And that's one twelfth that I'm not willing to give up. You don't have that right. And that's a humorous example. But, but consider what it really says. This is the truth of God's word, that we have the right to be a child of God. And as his kids, when individually our hearts are drawn to Jesus, all of a sudden before we know it, it says that we're children of God. In other words, we're related, we're family. We become something without even meaning to That's the magnitude of who Jesus is. But it says that Jesus was not accepted. But those who ultimately, individually accept him, receive him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. When it says that that Jesus became flesh, it it literally means that that he put on what we deal with. Um, If you got up this morning and you felt that twinge, that movement that you thought, hmm, that might have not been the right way to roll out of bed. Jesus gets that. Like, he, he felt that. Right now, because of this great and glorious state that we live in, I have that thing that is at the bottom, the top of my nose, but at the top of my throat, whatever that, whatever that point is that meets in the back of wherever. And, and it's a combination of, like, something that's like feels like a rock and then a knife at the same time, whether you speak, breathe, or anything. You know what I'm talking about? In the flesh, Jesus felt that. When you hurt, uh, when you cry, when you get nervous, the feeling of something that, that just surprises you, when you almost feel like your, your stomach rolls over because of fear or your heart kind of jumps because of an immediate excitement or just when somebody scares you, all that stuff, Jesus, God, felt he says that he that he dwelt among you he, he tabernacled is the word or he 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 pitched his tent among you even again john saying look when you look at the old testament what why was it that that god told you to build a temple to, to to put up this tent this tabernacle so god would have a place because there was coming a day where god was going to move in on earth wrap himself in a bunch of flesh and skin and he was going to be here and walk around to where you could know him and experience him and be near him This has been the plan all along. It says we observe the glory, the glory of God as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
John testified concerning him and explained, This was the one whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. One of the big questions that John answers really well is just who is Jesus? And, and I want to clarify that for you this morning. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one that, that knows what your body feels like when it's hurt. He knows what it feels like to have your heart broken, but also to be so excited you, you, you start crying, not because you're sad, but because you just can't seem to control it. He knows what it's like to be disappointed. He knows what it's like to, to see life begin when it says in Genesis 2 that, that God breathed the breath of life into humanity. You, you know how close you have to be? to someone to experience their breath. You know that because there's been somebody in your life that you've loved and you've been so close that you haven't just heard what they've said, you felt the whisper. You, you've held your child up and when they've yawned as a little baby, you felt that just little push of breath. Some of you have at least had a puppy fall asleep on your foot and you could feel the warm air going in and out. Too many of us have been so close to somebody that they needed a tic-tac with a battery. and We know what breath feels like. We, we know, we realize it. Again, don't look at the person beside you. Just blink real fast if that's them. And at least I'll know who to stay away from after the service, okay? Jesus is the one that, that, that breathes life. He did it himself, but he knows what it's like to be that close, face-to-face -face with someone that he knows and loves and is rescued. Jesus is the forever. He's, he's been around so long that everything he thinks and says and does is just right because of who he is. Jesus is God. God showed up himself. He didn't send anybody else. Jesus has a specific function within God. He's the one that has saved us. He's the one that promised that his spirit, his spirit would be inside of us. This is Jesus. It's the one that John is going to show us, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we're going to read a bunch of the verses. We're going to read a bunch of the chapters. We're going to get this view that is so clear, I think, I believe, of who Jesus is. And when you read those 18 verses, I think one thing is really clear. John basically sums up with it. He says, as I've seen Jesus, I've seen God. I've seen him. And that's just another way of saying, I know him. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? You know, one of my real heart's desires in this, in this book study for you is that we really, we really know God. We don't just go for the what, how will it help me, what will he give me, what will I get, but the who. Because out of the who drives everything that we do. Um, there's a lot of things in this book um, Miracles. It, it doesn't call miracles miracles in this book. John calls them signs. Because miracles defy logic, signs show us something. His job, spiritually, is to show us something. So when we, when we read about a miracle, 
We're going to see what God is showing us. And then seeing it, we'll know what to do with it. We're going to, see, we're going to read the I am statements. These are phenomenal statements that just make you feel like you could absolutely kick the walls of life down in front of you. Because of who Jesus is. Because the, the, the great truth in that is not just who Jesus is, but that Jesus in salvation is in you. He's in me. Through this book would be an excellent time for us to talk about how you can know that you're saved. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. and We're going to end our service a little bit differently. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do that. But I want to say thank you so much for listening. God, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and the hope that you pour into us. Thank you that we just got to worship you this morning already with spirit and in truth. Thank you for the verse, the scripture that Dale read that just awakened our heart to our future, to the reality of our praise and how our worship is worthy of everything Jesus is, all who he is. That we could sing that way this morning with with the heart that we have. Thank you for your word. Thank you how it shows us in our lives this great plan of how everything from a conversation we can have with someone about the purpose of creation, what we can learn in it, a perspective we can give on science and culture to just knowing that Jesus is eternal so that what I'm going through seems so easy, it just builds the confidence and that he can handle it and he can work through it. That Jesus as my Savior is really God coming to rescue me. God, thank you so much for the truth of what you show us. So God, transform our thoughts and our minds now, today, for our future. As we sing and as we give, we pray that you bless this gift. Help us to use it in ministry for you, for your kingdom, faithfully and wisely. Help us to sing with hearts. God, that are ready for whatever it is you bring us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.